seeking collaborations with influential people. At GZPR, we create passion-fueled collaborations that go beyond traditional representation, a performance agency that onboards new clients every month. Our focus is on POC collaborations. Contact us now at hellogzpr.com, a self-aware public relations agency exploring world perspectives with leading talents. Hello and welcome. My name is Tiffany Farag and welcome to Get to Know You, a podcast for those who want to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, where conversations can become stronger when we explore our thinking and behavior. Every Tuesday, a new question will be asked to our guest speaker. Genuine, everyday people here to have insightful conversations. My guest speaker today is from Sleepy Hollow, New York, has been living abroad for eight years in Madrid, Spain and Paris, France, before ultimately settling down in Porto, Portugal. He is a writer and a remote worker specializing in career services. He rewrites the CVs, cover letters and LinkedIn profiles of his clients during immersive workshops to give them a competitive advantage in their job-seeking endeavors. He interviews people from all walks of life, writes their stories and empowers them with the tools to explore express themselves welcoming daniel catalan from to get to know you welcome daniel hi thank you for having me thank you so much for coming onto the podcast of course so i think it'd be lovely for the listeners to hear a bit about you and and how you got into writing and you've done you've been doing so well lately and um yeah just tell us a bit more about yourself and your work well i've always been a writer i've always liked talking with people and interviewing them and telling their stories um i've been living abroad for a very long time but i only got into the cv writing and career services uh in september of last year so just over a year but i always liked talking with people engaging with them and just you know hearing how life is lived but until september of last year i never thought interviewing people could be a profession even though like I have an academic background in it and I enjoy doing it so much, but it all clicked when I realized all of my own resumes and cover letters, they were always from the heart, very tailored. And I would more often than not get interviewed for roles. So I decided to share that with other people because I wanted my own independence. I wanted to be able to be my own boss and just create a product that costs nothing, but just comes from expertise. And that's, where I am now. That's fantastic, Daniel. And what's, I guess, unique about the way you tailor these these CVs or resumes? Well, I speak with every individual person for 90 minutes uh, for the, in the first call where I discuss with them their life. And like they're all over the world and in, across every industry. So really the first call, I'm interviewing them while I'm making the resume as they watch on a share screen. So there's a form essentially that turns into the resume when it's done, where I ask them about what they've enjoyed doing about their jobs, where they've excelled. Obviously, I study their existing resume for context before I meet with them, but it really takes a life of its own when the person is expressing their experiences to me and I translate it into the corporate jargon and format that makes it easier for the recruiter or the hiring manager to read and just get the person's story with a flow. So it's an understanding of the needs of both parties and building a document that can just tell a story that's personalized, but in the right language, uh, where a person can show the value that they add. 
That's fantastic. I love that. And that's spending that 90 minutes. I don't think a lot of people do that to write a CV. That's how I differentiate from other competitors or career coaches, just that I take the time. Um, I mean, there's, I'm not a career coach. That's a very unique own thing. Like I can mentor people in how to express themselves or communicate their career, their career history, but I'm not like a coach, which is its own specific thing. So very often coaches, they would make the claim that the resume alone is not enough because they, the way they know it, um, resume writers besides myself, what, what they'll do is they'll just regurgitate back the resume into the jargon without talking to the person. Maybe they'll mm. correspond with them by email, but they won't do what I do, which is get in it and speak with the person in depth and also find a way to weave their personality into the document, not just the nuances of the career, but the actual personality of the person. That's fantastic, Daniel. And absolutely, I think a lot of people who read your resumes who are receiving them would feel that you like it. it clearly sounds that there's a lot of like heart and passion put into it so it's you can you know it's it's definitely it would be felt more so because you're trying to understand your client and like you said most people just do this back and forth through emails and only mention a few things so yeah I really I really admire that about you and that's fantastic that you have so much heart into really um you're making me blush wow (laughs) you know giving your clients what they deserve that's fantastic more people need to be doing this I just Right before I got on the call, uh, I received an email. This is my favorite thing about the job, that one of the clients received the exact job that I helped them apply for because I can help a person apply for a specific job or make a general resume cover letters that they are ready to tailor it when they see a job that they want. But this young woman came to me with a specific job she wanted. The deadline was imminent. So I ended up working with her because of the time difference. Both twice in one day, that were at inconvenient hours for both of us, both times, like very early morning, very late at night. But she got, she wrote me, this is three weeks later, telling me that she got the, the exact job and that she's grateful that for, especially knowing the time difference that on my side at night, it was like 2 a.m. one of the meetings. So it, um, I'm really great, like thrilled whenever these people get the outcomes that they want. And it, it is, this happens every week. And I have a really, I don't know, like it, it makes me, it's validating that my method works. But it also, I've always in every job I've had in the past wanted to just like help people like grow and have a positive impact on people's lives and serve the greater good. So I, leading up to this point in my career where this became my job, I had a lot of false, um, how would I would say false big breaks, like jobs mm-hmm. that I would think this will be my career. This project is so interesting this will be my impact or my legacy or how, because it's a very American way of your career being your identity, which Mm -hmm. I admit I'm very guilty of. Uh, All of the jobs and projects I've taken on have become a part of my identity. So I've had many corporate jobs where either I was not really feeling it or ones where I thought that, or my idea of what the organization did was, super idealized, then you see how the sausages are made. So I'm really grateful that I've been able to take all the lessons from all of my experiences and use them for the people and people from all walks of life. There's no one type of person. The other differentiating thing with the other resume writers is many of them have like a type of executive that they want to work with. I will help 
anyone at any level of a corporate structure. I make my pricing accessible so that a person can afford it without it true, like being super damaging to their finances. I've seen the executive resume writers, they only want executives because those people will pour a lot more money into it. But mm-hmm. I, I want to be the, the approachable layman's one. That's fantastic. Like you're giving really high quality things for everyday people, which is I, yeah, which exactly. I truly appreciate and and admire. And uh, yeah, I think listeners, if you want, if you want a good, good resume or CV, I, I would definitely, absolutely contact Daniel. Yeah, listeners, I got you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> one of the one of my not false big breaks was that I shared with Reddit the website what I've been doing uh, two months ago exactly. I led in Ask Me Anything, like an interview sort of like this, but all by text on Reddit. And there was an overwhelming positive response. And it furthered the the mission of getting people from all walks of life, because truly there was none of these people have anything in common with anyone else from this demographic of just Reddit users, because it is people of all ages, all over the world, all industries, some profiles extremely creative, others extremely technical. and I gained, it was a life story of other people overload because for maybe a month of that, of this two month period, I was purely just chained to my desk, working with everyone and trying to give them all the same quality of service without compromising. And that was the, mo- the biggest challenge of my career thus far, but I'm on the other side of it because I, all of them are succeeding. Like the lady that I described to you, she was from the Reddit thread. So yeah that's fantastic absolutely that's just incredible and if people want to contact you because they would like their t- cvs tailored or cover letters or linkedin my profiles, website is danielcatalan.com just my name danielcatalan.com fantastic okay great well listeners you can contact daniel if you would like that to for you to be more um well to get accepted into the job that you actually want so yeah fantastic daniel so Listeners, the question that we'll be diving into is where does your private persona end and your public persona begin? And Daniel, you actually thought of this question. So I think this is a great question. I was sitting with myself and trying to think about it and I'm struggling in understanding where in many ways to myself I feel that my private persona is my pub is my public persona with many, many people that I surround myself with. Mm-hmm. When you when you first like look at this question, what are what are some first things that come to your mind? Well hmm. so the public persona, I, I first I think one of the LinkedIn and Facebook. Facebook is where you consolidate everyone you've ever met from your family to someone you've met in a night out. Uh, and you have to do the, the accepting someone into your network on Facebook is the gatekeeper as opposed to Instagram where anyone can follow anyone and you have to go out of your way to make your network private. So I'd say Facebook as a you being one profile, one self for every everyone, family, maybe friends, coworkers, university friends, high school friends, people from every area of your life that consolidated in one place like that. Um, that's one version of a person, even though everyone knows your social media identity isn't actually you, but the way you front on Facebook mm-hmm. has one way. Then LinkedIn, it's everyone you've ever met 
in a professional context or people you've never met that are just networking because you're aligned in your industry. So the way people behave on LinkedIn is just what like formal, like you wear your iron shirt and you are just speaking your industry terms. And it's a, uh, like your personality can still show, but it is very much uh, like one way of being. So then Instagram is me like, oh, you're on vacation, enjoying life. Look how cool my life is like, haha. So like, I think about it kind of like that. Like a person has mm. several public facing personas. I remember when I was in grad school, I, that was when it was most apparent that I behaved one way in the academic and professional context, like my, my classes and my internship. And I would kind of let the curtain down with certain friends when I would be very polite and diplomatic in class or in the context of being an intern trying to prove myself. But, you know, like uh, there are times where I would just swear or like with my, like in my friends, the curtain down, I'd swear more, I'd speak my mind more, uh, maybe be a little bit mean sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. I wouldn't like just be a little bit sassy about some of the things I see in here because when you're at a lower level of a hierarchy, like student or intern, you have to hold your tongue all the time. And you have to be diplomatic and just go with the flow. Uh, for that, I would use a good example of Peggy from Mad Men. I don't know if you've seen it, a fictional character. She starts off as a secretary at, in the, also an ad agency in the, I want to say, 50s, 50s or 60s, uh, I think the 60s. So she becomes like indispensable as a, as a copywriter, but she starts as a secretary. Mm-hmm. So you see her get more confident as, and be able to speak her mind as the show progresses, as her career advances. So, I mean, that's like in real life, like how you earn the ability to be more eccentric. You earn the ability to be um, mean if you need to be as you advance. So I'm at a stage now where I don't feel like I have to hold my tongue. I'm mm. comfortable telling clients that they're wrong when I would never tell a manager or a client of a company that I was representing that they are wrong so i feel like i've unlocked like in a video game more freedom of expression um one thing super important is that i haven't always had my life in order this year was very instrumental in me moving out of a dingy madrid apartment into my own nice house in porto that's modern and had like the, the behind the scenes now my quality of life is a lot higher but i used to before not care about that like oh i just yeah. want to live in the center live in lava peace i'll live in the dingy shitty apartment like i care about the nights out or like i care about like my values were not to like be i thought anyone who cares about luxury is bougie but the quarantine forced me to actually want to have a higher quality of life and mm-hmm. uh, and then that allows me to be more productive and then it, that allows me to grow and advance this business because I wouldn't be able to just work in the living room around the clock if I had roommates, for example. So I'm also able to be, I don't know, just like the growth has been fast-tracked, but I didn't always have all my things aligned. I've had periods where I've been maybe an emotional wreck or just like a human, like with flaws, whatever. So now that all these people are turning to me for my resume expertise, and I'm instrumental in helping them feed themselves and survive and in a way that every other mentor figure or person in their life has not succeeded right because you can be your teacher can teach you as much as you want but they're not the the 
giving you the conduit that feeds you into the job directly. So I'm basically doing what a lot of people, like I'm saving these people effort and stress, like by writing their resumes for them, but then teaching them how to fish by teaching them how to use it. So I'm, so I sometimes wonder like, whoa, like how did I become so like first, if stepping outside of myself, I don't want to have an ego and sound egotistical, but because the method works, I feel very good about it. Um, but there's this misalignment imposter syndrome where even with the results being on the table, I'll still with anxiety or fear, just think that because I didn't, I wasn't always together that maybe it's fraud. Like maybe mm. I'm not living up, but even but the it's working, but you can have this double think that it can be working, but still it's like, oh, one day they're going to realize, I mean, that maybe it's all smoke and mirrors and theater, you know? So yeah, the public yeah. facing, private facing, there is a lot of smoke and mirrors and theater, and but it's not, I never lie and I never embellish my own achievements, but it, um, yeah, I just want, sometimes there's a disconnect between my achievements and my insecurities, like everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I really loved how that, that train of thought that you went with there. And uh, you, in the beginning, you were mentioning, that's interesting. Like I wasn't looking at it in the whole Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn kind of thing. I was just thinking of this as in, like a real life face-to-face kind of thing. Like when I leave my house and I'm interacting with people face-to-face, how am I presenting with myself and the people around me? And you are so right. Your voice, does your voice change when you interact with certain people? Because I have an octave of my voice for my parents mm. in other four, well. Another for the clients, but as the 90 minutes proceed, I will drop the customer service voice more and more if I get comfortable with the client as we're talking. Sometimes we banter, sometimes you form a rapport, and there's many that I feel like I would be friends with them under different circumstances. So I feel like I'll go out of my way in my travels in the future to try to link up with any of them in person and meet them for the first time in person, just in future endeavors. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. I would say my voice changes on the phone. Like if I'm talking to somebody on the phone, but face to face, I would I'd have the same voice. I, you know, I don't I have a quite a, a strong comfort. Obviously, like yourself, I'm traveling around, I'm meeting more and more people. There's more comfort in expressing myself and just being how I am and even swearing like you're talking about. If I'm comfortable with somebody and I've just met them for the lot, you know, in the hour or in the in the 10 minutes or 15 minutes, depending on the comfort or the connection or the openness they have, I'll Oh, my wall will be gone and I could just speak as as I'm speaking to like my closest friend that I've known for 10 years. Absolutely, yeah. But it, it go it does vary obviously like in a professional setting or if I'm if I want to like impress somebody, I'm going to hold back a little bit more in 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 some ways, not completely, but I would hold back or um my language or might change a bit. It's it, it slightly, slightly. If I'm trying to impress someone, not because I'm getting anything necessarily or trying to apply for a job, but just to just uh, want to show them that, uh, hey, I can, respect. I can, um, yeah, respect and just like I have something to offer or value. And the other thing that you were talking about, which I really liked and which I've kind of been feeling in myself, is that the way you see yourself, like you were saying, you because you're quality, you have quality CVs and you're giving so much quality, you're valuing yourself. So you're able to relax with yourself. So you're like, I have something to offer here. I've got something good that I know will benefit you. So I'm just going to be myself. I'll say, hey, no, this is not this is not right or what you're doing there is wrong. And, and I kind of relate in that and understand that a bit, especially with talking about these different conversations and topics. 
and friends that are in my life come to me with like these questions or or something I'm like yeah I don't I wouldn't agree with that kind of thinking mm-hmm. or I'm you know this is the kind of thinking that I would go with and I'm even with somebody who's a stranger I haven't known for that long maybe just a few three weeks or two weeks mm-hmm. I'll still have that comfort of just speaking my mind so especially too like I feel like it, the value that you have with yourself kind of allows more of the private and, pers- and public persona to kind of mesh into one what do you think about um to circle back to the social media thing for me the main overlap between the private and public is that i use my personal social media for work so mm-hmm. i could have a client i mean people can find me through my website through linkedin from the reddit thread or from referral essentially or from knowing me in real life and supporting me because they know me and need the product mm-hmm. so um very often if i'm trying to disconnect I'll be walking a street supporto with my headphones and I'll get a work message in my Facebook messenger or in my inbox. And I don't have the boundary because this, this thing, it's not a company with a name. It's not like if I were going to call it a company, I made a conscious choice not to go the route of calling it DCAT career services and consulting. I was like, no, it's Daniel Catalan, the writer, which is just who I am. And so the, the brand identity being my name and with no disconnect uh it means that i kind of don't take days off or i'm always like i've not had a day off pure in months i took three days off for the move from madrid to porto but i have not had a day where i've not done a resume workshop or responded to a million work emails since so and sometimes it's a bunch back to back to back. So yeah, like it, it's just a part of my routine and it's a part of my life. Like I could even have the meetings in the morning, do something social in the afternoon, but then go back to work and the chip flip flops or it doesn't, I don't know. It. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, I get that. I like, the, yeah, I think I like with, I kind of, I said with me back on the social media thing a little bit, um, I've tried to, I've made my, my Instagram, even just private, my personal Instagram private, but let's say the podcast and connecting with people there, that's all that's all public and so was my personal so I kind of only like with my personal Facebook and Instagram just to add people that I want to be friends with mm-hmm. and that I have conversations with them and I know when I want to visit and I want to see and keep the other one just for you know other people so I try I try and keep them separate as, be- as best as I can even in the podcast not to mention too much about my own some you know personal things um yeah, yeah. I like too that you are uh, you are quite, you know, do you think then when you were talking about that, that you do work and you're like, okay, you come back to the work, would you say like when we do have our private and public persona, it's kind of like intermittent? It's like, okay, my private one's on, okay, my public. You know, it's like are we intermittently changing between them, do you think? Is that where, where one ends and one begins? now because yeah. everyone is working from, from home. Mm-hmm. So the people that are that have retained their jobs and work digitally, just the, have, by having your devices on and open and the work able to get you at any time, it makes the divide less. I think before it used to be during your nine to five, you are one person. And then when you go home or you're with your friends, you're like adamantly another. Like mm-hmm. it, then the divide is clear. But now people are seeing less people. They're purely focused on if they have a job, protecting it and keeping it. And it, uh, it it's different. I think all social dynamics are, this, are have changed dramatically, including the 
private and public self. But if we're talking about a private self also separate from work, like I have, I have one best friend who I tell everything to. So mm-hmm. he's the only person who can accurately tie together, I think, every component of me, right? Yes, that, yes. My Madrid friends knew me when I was um, one way. My Paris friends knew me in another Um the people in Porto have only met me from a place of confidence and strength because I moved here when everything was just stable and good as far as work and the brand and like uh, me feeling great about myself. So the Porto friends, one of my really good friends that I've made since I moved here, actually, she told me that she uh, described me to her therapist as like a super positive influence or whatever. And I, uh, I'm not, I don't identify as like a beacon of sunshine type person because I, when I'm off the clock, I am like sarcastic, but she sees my enthusiasm that I enjoy my job and that I like living in Porto. So to her, like, and also I make a conscious choice now to not complain because I know how good I have it. But when I was living in Paris, especially, it just was deeply ingrained in me to complain all the time because things there were so difficult. And then like in terms of quality of life, fast pace, all the things I, fl- I left the U.S. to get away from caught up with me the years that I lived in Paris. So I'm just trying to not be a negative Nancy. And I think it's working because the friends uh, think so. She noticed that. That's, that's fantastic. When you were talking there, like what coming to, what's coming to my mind is that, are you saying then your, your private persona is the person who knows you the most? Is that what you're saying? Like, do you have to tell some? Do you have to tell everyone everything for them to to, to no. know to your private persona completely? Or is that that's you don't have to share everything? No, so- no, no, no. The private persona is just the complete because I can be very neurotic. I can be very. It's the amalgamation of all the personalities. Like, I can be very neurotic. I can be a bit snarky and mean, but I control all those things and work on them because they're not good traits, right? But like. Uh, a really good example is if I'm willing to like to lose my composure in front of someone, it's because they're close and I trust them. Mm. Yeah. So like I, I I'll really vent and speak my mind to someone if I trust them. Mm-hmm. Maybe when I was younger, I used to overshare, but right now uh, I have a pretty controlled circle of confidants. Uh, there's also the moments where with the clients, uh, we can be really candid and I'll tell them things like if I'll never have see them again, I'll tell them like something uh, like a, if I have an advice for them that maybe I isn't good at like that it is good advice, but that I wouldn't tell them if it was if I didn't really feel invested in them. For example, a lot of people have this idealized notion about NGOs and intergovernmental organizations, policy making organizations, and think tanks. So I've seen how the sausages are made. In those organizations, um, there's a lot of talent, obviously, oh, but a lot of people just think that by living abroad, they are suddenly qualified to work within organizations like that, and they want to like contribute towards the greater good, like I described, like I hope for, but without a clear, you know, like knowing of what they would actually like, without envisioning how they would actually contribute to this thing. And then these organizations, they think that it would be a soft, non-corporate environment, but these organizations often are as corporate as the private sector, but with the ability to say, oh yeah, we'll pay you less because you're passionate about mm. the mission. And there's a lot of corruption. And I've 
I've seen a lot of corruption. I hear a lot of stories from other clients just about corruption. So I will, if someone has this specific goal misguided, I'll I'll be like, yo, I'm going to be real with you. You're you're signing yourself up for some bullshit where you're going to be paid below market value and probably even like it's a different type of abuse than what you'd experience in the private sector. Like just don't go in with idealized notions. So I'll be, I'll be straight with some people, but after I decide they're going to, that I can lift the curtain and be real with them and not just, Mm -hmm. not just try to create the resume that they think will bring to life their fantasy, but actually be real with them. So that's fantastic, which I think is so much better anyway. Like I'm sure you'd that they would appreciate that. And they're like, oh, mm-hmm. this guy's honest with me. He's actually genuine. Like I think everybody should be like that. That's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I meet a lot of super genuine, great people. I um, we're all only as good as our role models. I've had some good role models and I've had some good creative partners. So uh we're yeah, like having positive influences, anyone is only as good as the collective sum of their positive influences and mentors yeah absolutely so i like like back back to what you're saying you that if you're able to be at ease to actually speak your mind that's you behaving in a way of your private persona yeah yeah sometimes honestly as customer service voice of being super polite all the time it is very grating even if the clients are all wonderful and lovely it just tiring and well, it is because uh, you're not you're not yourself. Like, and your person can feel it if you put on your customer service voice. I don't think it's it's um respected. I don't think it's taken on board as like my oh, customer actually cares. But it's not a customer service voice like you'd imagine in a fast food context or a retail context. It's just specifically like me going through the motions of mm. doing the work, yeah, and interviewing them and asking the same questions over and over, or giving the same presentation on how to use LinkedIn in a smarter way over and over and over. Like where it's just some autopilot, but uh, I'll give, I'll, I'll give you another example of the, of the private life, public life and being real with a client. Um, I helped a, a woman who uh, was looking for work for a very long time and she was offered a position and I was really happy for her. But then a week into her trial period, or sorry, a few weeks into the trial period, she was sacked from the position. And that was something that happened to me in a job. I was fired from a position at the end of a trial period. And it planted this seed that I wasn't good enough. Mm. And no matter how much I achieve my objective and my mission of helping these people find work and not have the same fate fall upon them, I still get a bit salty about the experience of me losing a job. So I just wanted to like, when this woman told me that she was falling into a funk and so upset that they didn't warn her. It just sounded like me when I was going through the stages of grief of having been fired myself. So I recall I was walking to meet a friend and I took the call when I was supposed to be off the clock to just comfort this client. But my mission in talking with her on the phone was to ensure that she doesn't let the seed get planted, that she's not good enough. Because it may be if you put up a mental shield that it's not a reflection on you, but it's a reflection of the company a lot earlier, that you won't become like bitter or with something that you feel like you have to prove years later. So, but that took a lot out of me. And I actually was, my social battery is how I describe it. It was Mm -hmm. depleted by the time I met with the friend that I was meeting with. So... It, it, that was one instance where, I mean, I was happy to do it, but where the work just like 
bled too much into my my private like frustrations and demons sure that's 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 very interesting do you do you think then that this person or if that when that happened to yourself like you were you were unable to share a lot of yourself like were you always i was in a relationship at the time and i overburdened the partner with being my sole source of Mm. comfort so i reflect on that as foolish because you should never have one person be your main source of emotional support so uh, I put a lot on that person and mm-hmm. it was not easy. Like it put a strain on the relationship just because I, some days I couldn't get out of bed and it was awful. So I really, I just want everyone to know that know that if you get fired from a job, it's a rite of passage because most, and I'm not, there's it's hard to say that to my own horn, but if you, they said I, I lacked vision, but if you are with the real vision and creativity you're not easy you it's hard to tame or even turn it into a way that like a like a corporate boss or a just a in a strict corporate in a regimented structure where your potential can be activated okay so if you lose a position don't think that it's a reflection on you it's a reflection on the company not being able to activate your potential or just politics behind the scenes that you, that you wouldn't make it to you when they inform you that you're being terminated um so don't don't i uh, internalize it that it's your fault i guess like in a breakup like don't yeah like exactly. uh, truly if you've done nothing wrong and you're dry, like you didn't do anything bad and you get sacked like it's their fault it's not yours yeah yeah absolutely i kind of agree with you there would, would would you say there's a danger in how much you are in your public persona or how much you are in your because there's a danger of no it's working the amount of time um, you spend in it okay. um the danger might be that i will get burned out without realizing it because i like the work i really worried when i had the mass influx of clients from the reddit thread that i would make um i i did make a mistake i double booked twice and one of the cases i was able to talk my way out of it but in one of them the client was rightfully very upset that's the closest i've gotten to really messing up just double booking and offending the client greatly. Um, But I do sometimes worry that if I'm having a bad day, I won't be able to be the best version of myself that the clients want me to be. I think also when we're talking about different types of selves, there's one type of myself that hasn't been activated because of the pandemic, but Mm. I'm a very good version of myself when I travel. I'm Mm. very good if I'm traveling alone befriending people, either other travelers or locals to have cool experiences with them and do the Anthony Bourdain thing of convincing someone to show me their little local spot and a window into their life. So that's my favorite version of myself. And I do tap into that in bits and pieces when I'm interviewing the clients about their lives, because it's still the same thing of you're from a different world than me. I want to know more about it, but yeah, nobody pays me to travel and talk to people but I get paid to travel or to sit at my desk and travel virtually to meet these people and write about their lives and learn about them. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. I so admire and, and, and love that kind of, um, I kind of do it myself. I'm not right. You know, I'm having these conversations with yourself and people from all over the world. So it's it's incredible and incredibly fulfilling. And I don't make any money out of it, but I'm so fulfilled from it, you know. So, yeah, I can understand and relate to what you're talking about. I, I would say, like, in general, though, I think a lot of people would uh, you know, there's a healthy, like a maybe an unhealthy amount of time that you spend in your public persona. Um, if you're, or maybe I think if you look at it in the, in the way of if you're spending, if the people that you surround yourself with are more so people that you can't be your true self in, or you're just how you are in your private persona, like I think that's a danger. I think that's a kind of uh, something you need to reevaluate. Would you say? I think so. I think you would just want anyone that you're vulnerable with uh, to accept you and you'll want, and you don't want to pretend for too long because what happens if someone falls in love, if you fall in love with someone else's public persona and you realize that they suck, like, I don't know, (laughs) that's never happened to me. I've only dated nice people, but definitely um, also there's the image of someone like how we idealize, um, not idealize, but there's a lot of public figures that people put a lot of hope on that maybe like this person could save an industry, like save an industry or create some, a good example is if a creative person creates one great work of fiction, suddenly they have this pressure. It's like make the next one, but what if they are working their whole life on the first one? Mm. You know? So yeah, like there's, uh, I don't know, maybe that didn't answer the question so well, but. No, no, I kind of get you. Do you think then that um, that there's a way of knowing if somebody's in their kind of public persona, if they're in their private persona? Maybe they're not even conscious of it. I don't know. Like if you know yourself, but then can you tell if somebody else is? Uh, so an example that comes to mind is have you ever seen the video of a journalist uh, in the South, in the United States, he's just in the, he's in a field and he's using his journalist voice, but a mosquito flies into his mouth and the camera is still rolling and he starts swearing in his true accent. So oh, wow. like maybe it takes a mosquito flying into your mouth. For you to know, for or for you to let go, or kind of, or see somebody else behave in that way. Oh yeah, Yeah. so like you're saying, if they're in a difficult position or difficult situation, or or something happens, and you're like, oh okay, there you are. Yeah, almost. Maybe it's if you if 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 you see someone getting angry and you see that they're using a lot of restraint, but like you see in their eyes that they like are not thrilled, and Mm -hmm. it's primal. Uh, that is a sign of something. But yeah, because a lot of people in their jobs will, it just, the amount of restraint you have to put in these frustrating situations. I don't know. Like I feel for a lot of the clients because they have to show the company, companies that they work for so much commitment. And then it's like cheating when you're secretly applying for other jobs. So I don't know. Like I feel like they have to pretend to be okay with such poor treatment because it's for their livelihood. Not, I mean, not all of my clients it's not, are like treated poorly, but the ones that are um, have to fake it like mm. they're content, you know? Yeah, to sure. Team, to, to be a team player. 
Sure, sure. What do you think about, like, something else is coming to my head is that, what about with, like, mental illness? What do you think about people trying to put on this front of hiding their mental illness uh, when they are going for jobs or they are applying for things? Like, isn't that, that's yeah, kind of dangerous? Yeah, this comes up all the time. Um, I think it is something that only if it's beneficial to the job, it should be said. I help a lot of people with university applications, so... I feel like in a if if a person wants to pursue higher education in psychology, they can mention, but in in jargon, their struggles and contextualize it. But I I mean, mental health people can understand it. Maybe once you're in a company, talk about the internal culture and its impact of mental health can happen. But if you're a candidate, they're not gonna. It's maybe they don't want a robot, but you could if you reveal too much, they'll just not be accepting of it even the, even no they the most- won't but they should like do you think i think the culture of that should change for people to be able to be more open and and share these things or what do you think uh i'm not sure i just don't think in the way that the system is now that it would work like i mm-hmm. just don't th- i don't think that type of transparency would be respected um in most cases i mean maybe- do you think specifically in one country like maybe in america it wouldn't work but other cultures it would work or do you think all around? I'm reflecting when I of the places I know the best, which are the U.S., but New York specifically, mm-hmm. Paris and Madrid. And I don't, I don't know. I I would always strongly advise a client from opening up and like to, like talking about mental health struggle until they have a job. These conversations can happen mm. when you're in the company. If the if the company is forced to confront like that there's low morale and maybe there's a resource and a discussion on ways to improve morale. But mm-hmm. I think those conversations have to happen once you're in the place, not before it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have nothing but love and respect for the people with mental illness. And I, I'm it's unfortunate, but yeah, my advice would be not to, not to wear that one as a badge. Okay. Do you, are there any other things that you would say would be similar to mental illness that maybe shouldn't be mentioned in in your point of view? Any nothing should be mentioned unless it has a component in the story of why you're quali- why you want the job and why you're qualified for it. So nothing is relevant besides the story you create that explains your motivation and maybe maybe if the job is mental health adjacent the mention your own mental health can happen in that context. Okay. But I very tastefully, if a person's motivation is tied with their demographic, um, there is a way talking about community involvement with the demographic is the way of saying, I have, I am a part of this community of this race or subculture or sexual orientation or whatever. Like it, you can control it by saying I'm a part of the community, like I'm an active member of this community. I do projects among my peers in this community instead of saying just like, oh yeah, like I'm, I identify as this and like, it's important to me, but not why it serves the great, like the, it's function in the essay or CV. Okay. A good example, a good example of this is that recently I had a client who is a senior communication strategist, uh, multilingual. And she worked in an NGO and was applying for jobs in government. And it, uh, very important to, to her is that she's gay. So mm-hmm. she was she lives on an island, very remote. So she created the meetup groups for 
for gay women on this island. And uh, it became like this larger than life community. And she is the community manager of this, of the, she's basically a public figure in this community on this island. So for me, I was like, yes, there is a place for that because it talks, it fits in with the theme of you are a, like a senior communications manager, you work with XYZ, and that she's also an active member of her community using the strategies that she, in her work and of her academic background, towards the greater good of her, of her community by uniting it. So that was how I was able to tell, the, tell her story and mm-hmm. include her being gay without it seeming like she's just trying to play up the diversity component. Ah, that, okay. So yeah, it makes sense. And it, if you read the essay or the CV, it's, it doesn't feel out of place among the other items because it's written in the same tone. Mm-hmm. So I've had a few clients where whatever community they're a part of, it's a key part of their story. And that's how I will weave it in instead of just putting like a box like race and sexual orientation. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you don't want to put that. Like, I didn't know you would put necessarily those things in a CV. You would not. Like, you would, you in, would. Yeah, like in Australia, we wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be a thought. But like, I like how you you kind of, it's like a cover letter part of the CV that you yeah. kind of attached to it in the beginning. Okay, I see what you mean. I see what you mean there. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. This has been a lovely conversation. I really, really enjoyed it. Oh, wow. What, I didn't, that, that flew. I didn't even realize. I know, that. right? It went by so fast. What I love to ask my guest speakers at the end of each conversation is how has this conversation with me highlight anything to yourself or made you maybe reflect a little bit differently? You know, it's a very pleasant change of pace to be the interviewee and not the interviewer. I'll say that uh, keeps me on my toes. It's good to see the other side. This is good practice because I enjoy the podcasting like medium and I um, thank you for choosing me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming onto the podcast. Thank you for listening to Get to Know You. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate, review and share the podcast on Facebook or Instagram. You can tag me at Get to Know You with Tiffany Farrah. In my mission to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, I want to hear from you, listeners. The question again, where does your private persona end and your public persona begin? Leave an audio, video, or a message on the Facebook or Instagram page of your response to today's question, including your name and where you are from. We will include some different responses in next week's Get to Know You Cafe to further deepen dialogue on this topic. If you have any topics you would like us to discuss, be sure to tag me to post with your question. Join us every Tuesday on Get to Know You.